Welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the Discount Property Investor way. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit FreeWholesaleCourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in. All right, guys, welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. I am your host, David Dodge, and it has been a couple of weeks since we have launched an episode, so I'm excited to get back at it. And today, I got a special guest. I have a friend and a fellow real estate investor who I've run into at countless real estate events and masterminds. You know, but I've really never had a, a good opportunity to just sit down and talk with this individual. So I'm really, really excited to pick his brain, learn about what all he's been up to. And I know you guys, all the audience, the viewers and listeners are going to get some value out of this too. So with that being said, I want to welcome Derek Dombeck to the show. Derek, how's it going, brother? It's awesome, David. I I was thinking the same thing when you and I were chatting pre-show here. You know, we see each other at different events and and we have friends in the same circles, but we've never uh, broke bread together or or uh, had an adult beverage that I can remember. So this is going to be fun. That's right, man. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show. And uh, again, I've run, run into you at several events, probably four, five, maybe even six at this point. And mm -hmm. we were talking before we hit the record button here and we're going to be together uh, next month at an event down in Florida. So we're going to get to see each other again at that point. But with that being said, Derek, I want you to, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit how you got started in real estate and when that was, and then wrap that up with what you're doing these days. Well, um, I think real similar to to many of your your listeners I just bought a fixer upper, you know, a couple rental properties back in 2003. Um, I had a construction background. I, I, I've got a PhD, a public high school diploma, so I'm highly educated. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just, I, I always had a work ethic, right? So just pretty much how my, my parents raised us. You, you do, you never quit. You finish what you start and you take the good with the bad. So, the first few years, 2003 through 2006, things were great. You know, we built up a portfolio while we were working a full-time job. And we had about 29 doors, but we were, I'm, I live in the middle of, of Wisconsin, so we're in the upper Midwest, but we were also buying properties in Florida and building new construction properties. And back when I thought I was just a genius, which I was not, um, you know, we we were we were sucked into that that allure of of big dollars and and big numbers, the the appreciation play, and ultimately it kicked our ass. Um, my wife Tracy and I in two thousand seven, we we damn near lost everything. Um, but that was a point where that work ethic I I mentioned earlier came into play. Like we weren't gonna quit. And I just had to figure out a way to do it different. So I learned how to talk to people. And I think that's the biggest mistake, David, that most people make, especially starting out, is, you know, you can go and buy a bunch of courses, you can learn stuff on YouTube. But if people don't learn how to actually have conversations with other people, 
Yep. Um, I mean, everything is a negotiation from, you know, your dating life to getting your kids to go to bed on time to negotiating real estate deals and contractors and bankers and the list goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Everything is a negotiation. And that doesn't mean that somebody has to win or somebody has to lose, but it's, it's a conversation. Yep. So back in, in the day when things were going to hell, I went and sat down with my bankers, the ones that still had jobs. Um, <laughs> you know, some of them, not so much, but you know, we took responsibility for our actions. I, I was the one alongside my wife that signed all these, these agreements, these documents, these notes and mortgages. And it set me apart from everybody else that was just playing the blame game. Now I'm not saying I wasn't wronged, but that didn't matter. I had to, I had to deal with it. So for about four or five years, it was, we started flipping properties, robbing from Peter to pay Paul, try and keep, you know, ahead of the debt collectors. Now this wasn't during, this wasn't in 03 when you started. This was probably. No, this was 07. 07, through, 08, right? Okay. Yep. 07, yeah. 08 through about 2010. Okay. And the lessons learned though were a blessing. Now it didn't feel like a blessing back then, but a lot of what I get to do today is because of all the crap I went through back then and the fact that we didn't quit. <laughs> yep. So when we got to 2010, 11, 2011, um, at that point, I mean, there wasn't a bank that was going to touch me anyways. So I learned how to get creative and, and structure deals in other ways, which now I feel like is is the best way. To me, a bank should be secondary um, because I had no control over my business when I was using banks. And when they decided to change the rules, my business faltered. So today, I, I can honestly say we, we hardly ever use a bank for anything. Um, we also, as I met my current business partner, he had been, his name is Jeff. Jeff had been raising private capital for all of his deals. And he started in the early two thousands as well, but had never used a bank. And it was a different mindset for me. Um, took me a little while to wrap my head around it, but a lot of it, you know, if your listeners are, are newer to the game or have been in this for a while, but never use private money, um, it, it's shifting your mindset on on how you think about using private money to the degree of you're not asking for a loan. You're giving somebody an opportunity to use their money and get a great return secured by real estate. I love that. You giving them an opportunity versus asking them for money. That's a great point. It, I love that. It, it's just a mindset shift is all it is, but it, it's, it's really important. Um, so we got to the point, Jeff and I, we were flipping houses, you know, holding rentals and, and Jeff had done, he dabbled in lending a little bit before I met him, but we got so much capital that we didn't have enough deals to keep it busy. And we didn't want our investors to leave us and go somewhere else with their money. But we had also built up a, a reputation across the, the state of Wisconsin. We we're heavily involved in all of our real estate investor associations and and at this point, I'm speaking and, and starting to do some teaching and just really talking about all the crap I went through. And um, we ultimately started our lending company or, or ramped up our lending company because we had borrowers that couldn't find money. And we had we had investors that had money. We had the experience to vet the deals and make sure they were safe for everybody. So currently, we're 
we're running a company called Best REI Funding that that does, I don't know, around 20 loans a month on average and several million dollars going out the door. And again, I'm just a construction worker with a PhD and we figured it out, you know. So with Best REI Funding, are you guys arbitraging? Is that yeah, how that's working? It's 100% arbitrage. Um, Which is beautiful, and, though. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just trying to cure. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, the the model here. So, so you guys. So let, let, let's recap for for just a second, Derek. So you guys started in 03, mm-hmm. and you struggled a little through 07 and 08, but you worked with your bankers and you did what most people weren't willing to do. You you went in and you shook some hands, right? Let's be honest. Yep. But you talked to people, and you were able to make it through that. And then once 2010, 2011 came around, you learn how to structure deals and you've been doing a lot of that since it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, but what you've learned is that you don't necessarily need banks and you can use private money to structure these deals or you can use seller finance or whatever it may be to structure these deals. Um, and then one thing I really love that you said that I wrote down here, when it comes to private money, you're not asking somebody for a loan. Instead, you're giving them an opportunity to invest and make a healthy return, right? Love that. Uh, you have a company called Best REI Funding. You guys average 20 loans a month. That's incredible. Holy cow, that's one for every business day, essentially. Mm-hmm. And you guys are borrowing this money from private lenders, and then you're turning around and you're being a hard money lender, essentially, and you're arbitraging that money, and then you're lending it back out. And I would, I would imagine that you're creating a triple win. You're creating a win for your private investors that are loaning the money to you and your, do you have a fund? Yeah. So we're not borrowing the money from them. We do have a fund. They so invest. They are, okay. Yes. So Got they're, it. They're, they're essentially, it's a syndication. Okay. And then. So they're, they're investing into that. So mm-hmm. they're winning because they're getting a healthy return. Right. And it's backed by the real estate that the funds own, that fund is, is lending on or owns, which yep. is awesome. You're winning because you're helping people and you're making a profit along the way. And then the, the end borrower, right? The consumer here is winning because they're getting to avoid a bank. They're getting a lot less underwriting and they're getting speed by getting to work with you and your fund. Triple win. It's a triple win, David. And and the plus side for us, and, and this is why we do consider ourselves to be the best, is we're still in the trenches. I mean, we're still buying and selling. I, I've got a closing this Friday. I've got a closing next week, Wednesday. We're, we're buying and selling two to three properties a month. So when our borrower comes to us, we don't sell off our loans. We don't have any institutional um, money backing us whatsoever at this point. It's all private people that we can go and have conversations. So we've got one right now that I, I was just working on the, the valuation this morning before we jumped on. And it's a, a little bit different deal because this borrower wants to take a, a fourplex and turn it into a, a short-term um, rental, but for corporate. And she's yeah. got an awesome track record. Now there's zero comps out there that can yeah. justify her numbers. Makes it difficult. Makes it difficult, but for us, because we're not dealing with institutions and we're not selling the loans off to any buyers, can we not go to our investors and say, hey, here's the track record. Here's the whole underwriting package. What do you think? Do you want to take this risk with us or not? And it's something that makes us unique and makes us different. And we're there to solve people's you know, challenges and problems. 
And we can look at her and say, well, okay, this property doesn't stand alone on its own because of the, the risk category it's in, but let's cross collateralize with something else, or let's find a different solution. So I, I feel like we're, we're the best in, in regards of, of working as partners, you know, lending partners with our borrowers, instead of just being a bank, you know, some, some person sitting behind a big fancy oak desk with, you know, kind of looking down their nose at you. That's not us. And I love people call me and, and let's structure deals. Let's figure out a way to, to actually, you know, turn what's maybe not a good deal into a good deal. And we do that with our borrowers a lot as well. Man, that's awesome. That is fantastic. So where all are you guys investing? What parts of the country, what cities, what states, and um, where all are you lending? So our borrowers are in the state of Wisconsin. We we don't go outside of state lines as far as our hard money loans. We do some transactional funding um, in other parts of the country. I mean, we literally could do that anywhere in the country. Um, but and we don't do a ton of it, but we, sure. we're open to doing more of that. Mm -hmm. um, I have invested, I've bought properties in Texas, Florida, Ohio, Wisconsin, and yeah, I think those four states. But I, I don't really look outside of our boundaries very much anymore. Um, honestly, for me, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't know how to explain this to your public and make them understand quickly, but I don't want to buy a lot of real estate assets that I have to have my hands on. Um, and I don't necessarily trust a lot of other managers just because of what I went through in 07. Sure. Because back then, you know, I, I had property managers and I had mortgage brokers and I had all the people in line. And, and when the markets crashed, all of them went bye-bye and mm -hmm. I was left holding the bag. So I'm not saying I'll never um, invest in other areas, but I, I love paper. Um, it It's something I learned when Jeff and I became partners. He had, he had told me, or asked me if this question, he said, how, how many hours does it take to manage a hundred rental units? Because back when we started, that was the pitch, right? You, you got a hundred units, you made a hundred dollars per door, $10,000 a month, and you were going to live the good life. Ironically, I still hear that same sales pitch today, damn near 20 years later with the same numbers, which mm -hmm. is, you know, not 10,000 is not that much per month to live on. No, it's anymore. not. And a hundred dollars of property is much harder to get with interest rates at six, six and a half percent versus you know where they used to be at four, right. four and a half percent on commercial loans. Right. They're probably going to keep going up too. Right. So it's going to. So change. the question, the question that Jeff asked me was, how many hours would that take if you managed it yourself? And I said, well, that's a forty-hour-a-week job at least. And he he said, well, how long do you think it takes to manage a hundred loans? And I said, I have no idea. And the answer is about an hour a week. Wow. So that's from easy, anywhere. Easy, man. Holy from God. anywhere. Right. Yeah. So we can travel. My wife and I are the vision that we have for our family, our personal lives is, is to travel. You know, we were able to spend six weeks on the road this summer with our three kids, just traveling the country in our, in our fifth wheel travel trailer, visiting friends and, you know, hanging out with other real estate acquaintances. And I'm not saying I couldn't do that if I had a whole lot of rental units, but I couldn't 
I don't feel I could do it with as little amount of time that I am required to spend in my lending business. Um, so it's just a different outlook on, on things. But the flip side of that is there's not a lot of tax deductions in the lending business. And you've got to have some kind of assets to, uh, to offset or you don't have to, but uncle Sam is going to love you. If, yeah, he's uh, gonna. You're gonna be paying a lot of taxes if you don't have some way to offset that. That is for sure. For sure. So it is definitely a whole lot easier to manage a hundred loans than a hundred properties, or a hundred rehabs, or a hundred tenants, right? Yeah. Or if you're doing the Burr method, the rehab, the leasing, and the refinance, right? I mean, love it. So when it comes to managing, you know, a hundred loans. Let's back up just a second for, if you don't mind, Derek, how do we go about getting a hundred people to want to work with us? Right. So I have a fund as well. I haven't really started utilizing it yet, um, but I'm learning a lot just from talking to you. And, you know, so if I was to go fill that fund up with, you know, let's say 5 million bucks, something like that. How are you advertising to the hundred individuals that you're working with? day in and day out to come to you versus to try to go learn creative finance or to try to walk into their local bank or credit union or to go get a line of credit or a HELOC or something along those lines. Well, David, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of pitch something right now and I'm going to give it away to your audience for free because I'm writing a book about this specific topic. Okay. And, and good, it's a hundred, it's a hundred percent on the lending process from, not necessarily how to, I'll talk about it with you, but not necessarily how to get, you know, the applications to come in, but the underwriting process, once the application is in through closing and then servicing after the fact. And um, I'm authoring it right now. It's, it's going to be published about November, December. So if anybody wants to the electronic version for free, just shoot me an email, say, Hey, I, I heard you on David Dodge's show. Um, it's it's Derek, my first name, D-E-R-E-K, at bestreifunding.com. Just shoot me an email. I monitor my own email. My my assistant monitors it. Um, so just wanted to throw that out there for you, David, um, sure. or your audience. Yeah, and, please. Thank you. you know, thank you. But to answer your question directly, it's the same way that you would market to try and get deals. It's the same, every channel that you use, it could be direct mail, social media, Google AdWords. Um, you know, for us, it was really heavily with the RIAs because Jeff was was running a, a RIA in Green Bay, Wisconsin. He helped me start one in central Wisconsin. And then once we became um, well-known and respected, then other RIA heads would, would ask us to come and speak at their RIAs. And eventually we merge there's there's now out of the eight major rias in the state uh six of them are all under the same um ownership the same control now okay. and and we are the title sponsor across the state for all the rias awesome which yeah that's beyond that we don't do a lot of marketing for our loans Got um it. but just starting out I mean, if you don't want to go to the RIAs, it's, it's, you know, you certainly could do the same thing on social media and you could do the same thing on, on, you know, like just going on biggerpockets.com, for example, and listing your name as a lender. It, right. 
it doesn't cost you anything. Or maybe you have to have a pro account, but regardless, <clears throat> that makes the phone ring. Um, and once you are classified as, as a decent lender by the people in your local community, word spreads. Yeah, then then they just start, you know, everyone starts to help telling their friends and their acquaintances that they've done business with you and that they should go do business with you too. Love but that. then you can run into the other problem, David, is which we had too, is it's it's a game of Tetris. Like those of us old enough to remember that game, you know, it's a constant moving puzzle and you got to fit the blocks to fit. So it, you said you let's just use the $5 million mark in your fund. If that was the number, great. But once you start getting to about four and a half million and the phone is still ringing and you've got, you know, 10 more people that want to borrow your money from you, but you don't have that much money. Now, do you turn them away or do you try and raise more money? Where it's a it's a double-edged sword sure sure because you say hey i don't want to turn away good loans because if i turn away good loans then those people are going to go talk and they're going to say ah david's full of shit he he wouldn't fund this loan and it was great it, i mean it was a perfect loan and he wouldn't fund it mm -hmm. so it can be so there can be some some negative to it as well mm -hmm. um, I get that. and if you say great i'm gonna i got good loans coming in i'm just gonna go raise more money now that requires more staff, requires more of the back end. Um, mm -hmm. Who's going to service all these loans? Who's going to walk through and make sure that that the uh, construction is getting done, assuming that you're lending on rehabs? Um, the our, One of our biggest challenges is the draws. We control our own escrows for the construction draws, and we don't charge a whole lot of money for those draws. I can't tell you how often our staff gets F-bombed and, and yelled at that are doing the draws for our clients and it's very frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The draws can definitely be, uh, can be inconvenient and frustrating, but it helps keep people from spending money on a project. That's not the one they're borrowed against. It helps people from getting in trouble. It helps the lenders from, you know, getting too over leveraged with a particular client. You know, there's definitely pros Oh, it has yeah. to be in place. It's it got to be in place. Because if you just to. hand somebody 50, 60 grand for a rehab, can't do it. you're not managing or monitoring that what they're spending that money on. The risk goes through the roof. And you're harming your investors. And you're harming in your investors at the same time. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. Okay. Well, that's this is very interesting, man. I'm loving this. Derek, I'm noticing you had given us the email, Derek, at bestreifunding.com. Um Looks like I have another one here. Derek Dombeck at bestreifunding.com. Which is which is the right one? They both work, but use the shorter version. It's a lot easier. Perfect. Um, Just yep. double checking. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And so you're you're you said you're servicing Wisconsin. Yeah. So we have investors that are, you know, in our fund from all over the country, but we don't see a reason to go outside of our region at this point. Um, there's still market share to be had. Uh, we we really do feel like we could probably double what we're doing and not leave the the boundaries of our state. And I think it's important as a lender to to stay where you've got your finger on the pulse. Um, we know all the foreclosure laws. We we've actually, David, what do you think is a good default rate? I mean, an acceptable default rate. If you were doing two hundred loans a year, 
how many do you would you expect to default? Man, that is a great question. I don't even know where to begin. I mean, I would think a small default rate would be around two or three percent. I'm just guessing here. Yeah. So, so about, about six. Yeah. So if you're doing 300 loans, yeah, somewhere between four and six ish. Yeah. So we've foreclosed and taken back nine properties in the last 10 years. Total. That's it. That's less That's than it. one a year. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that we don't have some challenged loans, but what I mentioned earlier about working as, as a lending partner and, and being there to help our clients solve their problems is how we keep that default rate so low. And it's, it's important for your listeners, if they're borrowers of hard money or they're borrowers of private money, like take care of your lenders, no matter what. If you end up taking losses, you take losses. You, you fall on a sword. Because if you take care of your lenders, they will come back. They'll take care of you. We've had people that had challenges, divorces, COVID, all these different things, right? But they made us whole. And then they come back for the next loan. We're going to work with them, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that's something that hardly anybody ever talks to, in, to you know, especially people that are, have not been in the business for more than, you know, three or four or five years. Um, man, get to know your lenders on a personal level and, and be real with them. The worst thing you can do is stop communicating with your lender. Like that's the worst thing. Absolutely. Because if we have to make assumptions, it's just, we're going to assume the worst and we're going to turn it over to the attorney and we're going to start a foreclosure because we have no choice. We have to protect our investors. Sure. You know, but man, if, if your listeners get anything away from today, this conversation today, it's just take care of your, your private money, take care of your private lenders, your hard money lenders, whoever in your banks, like wherever your money source is coming from. And for God's sake, just do not stop communicating. It's just the death. It's death for sure. Yeah. Communication is so important. It is so important. And I cannot emphasize that enough. You know, communicate with your lenders, communicate with your contractors, communicate with your title company, communicate mm -hmm. with your own internal team and, you know, communicate with anybody and everybody. If you're wholesaling, communicate with your seller and your buyers and do it a ton so things don't get dropped or left behind or screwed up. And um, yeah, I just I cannot emphasize that enough. That is such a great point. You've got to communicate. You know, people that get into this business and think that they're going to be able to do it all from, you know, from their um, part time or something like that, you know, and they're not willing to talk to people or go to meetings or create, you know, relationships. It's it's going to be an uphill battle for those folks. So really, really definitely agree with what you just said there. That was actually the biggest mistake that my wife and I made the first half of our investing careers. We would go to events. And we would go to seminars, but we'd never built a network. And after I met, you know, my current business partner, Jeff, and we started embracing going to, you know, going to the same events, but really talking with people. Again, I said it earlier, learn how to communicate, learn how to talk to people. Um, that led us to what we have today. I mean, we we currently run three national mastermind groups. We we run a conference annually. And, and all of that came about because 
we were putting ourselves in the in the path of you know how do i how do i put this where it won't sound a little weird we were we were almost steering fate yep you know because i i never saw myself as being a speaker or a teacher um back in you know pre 2012 now it, it's it's my whole life I mean, there's, I, I love being on stage. I love teaching people and, and giving back. And, and I'm able to, um, I'm able to use the, the, the crap that we went through to help people, even when I'm sitting down with a, a seller of a property and they're going through foreclosure, they're going through bankruptcy or all these things. I can sit across that kitchen table from them and, and legit, they know I'm not lying to them when I'm trying to solve their problem, because I will flat out tell them I've been there. I know how you feel. And and that's huge for us. So um, at the end of the day, I, I really, I, I really feel like the only way you lose in life is when you quit trying. And we're all going to have ups and downs in our businesses and our personal lives. They intertwine. Um, you, you just got to find a way to, to persevere and, and push through. The only way you lose in life is when you quit trying. I'm going to repeat that. That was Derek's words, not mine. And holy cow, does that ring true? Man, I love that. That might be my favorite thing you've said so far. The only way you lose in life is when you quit trying. You know, Derek, one of the things that I've mentioned a lot on this podcast, a lot, I'm talking probably 100 plus times over the 300 plus episodes is the key to success is so simple. I can break it down into three words. Consistent, persistent action. That's it. It doesn't matter what business you're in. Mm-hmm. You just, you gotta, you can't quit. You got, you can't give up. You gotta be consistent. You gotta be talking to people persistently. And you gotta be taking massive action. And you summed it up in that sentence right there. The only way you lose in life is when you quit trying, guys. So take Derek's advice. Don't stop. Don't quit. Keep going. Love it. Love it. Derek, you mentioned a book that's going to be coming out soon. If you don't mind, can you talk a little bit about this? What's the title? And when's it coming out? Well, so the title is is unknown at this point. Um, Okay. uh, this is another one of those things. I was I was at an event. I met a ghostwriter. We said, hey, let's write a book together, um, which means she's doing all the work and I just have to answer a bunch of questions. That's the way I like it. So it is about lending, um, as I mentioned earlier. And even if you don't think you'll ever be a lender in your life, it's really great to read this to know what is your lender looking for. How can you help your lender get through the underwriting process? And, you know, it, it'll just be that much easier. Um, there's actually a second book that I'm going to send everybody as well, which is a, a collaboration book that I'm co-authoring. There's a, a gentleman by name of Kyle Wilson, who was Jim Rohn's business partner. If you've ever heard of Jim Rohn, pretty famous uh, speaker and author. And uh, and we're, so myself and about 25 other authors are, are doing a collaboration book, which will be out right around December 1st as well. So I'm going to send out that book to your listeners with your permission um, mm-hmm. yes, as well. So everybody just, you know, shoot me an email. And again, let me know you, you heard me on David's show. Um, and then the last thing I'd love to mention, because I'm super proud of it. 
we now have a conference that we do every year. And the reason that we have it, I mentioned we were kind of putting ourselves in front of fate. Um, I attended this conference, which was on a cruise ship for eight years. I'm sorry, seven of its eight years. And became very close friends with the people that were running it. And when they decided that, you know, because of their health and age and, and just life, they didn't want to run it anymore. They, they voluntold us that we should take it over. And we, res we resisted that for several months. Um, mm -hmm. Also happened to be COVID year. So not ideal, but we've, we've shifted it now and, and it's called the generations of wealth. And we called it that because that former generation or previous generation that taught us so much handed it down to us. Um, but there's another reason we, we encourage you to bring your kids. We want you to bring your kids, especially 10 and older. We don't charge anything for the kids to be a part of the conference. They can sit in on as much or as little as they want. And it's real. It's not about the kids. It's an advanced strategies, real estate conference for five days. We have, um, about a dozen speakers, non-selling, nobody's pitching, nobody's, you know, giving you, you know, five minutes to run to the back of the room, any of that stuff. But our, our conference is from nine until one each day. And then we're heavily, heavily, um, pushing the networking. So yep. from one o'clock until dinner time and through dinner, you know, we want everybody getting to know each other. And then we have these town hall sessions in the evening, which are optional, but more interactive. But the kids, we had 18 kids at our last conference in February, and about a dozen of them sat through every advanced strategies lecture that there was. Not that they're going to pick up a whole lot of knowledge from these strategies because they don't understand most of it, but they're seeing other or meeting other kids who have parents that are freaks like us and don't, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like they, they don't get this at school they don't get this anywhere else um so my my soon-to-be 16 year old daughter has a network of of people and my 11 year old son have a network of people from about half a dozen different states and they stay in touch with each other they actually write physical letters to each other and mail them to each other it's super weird <laughs> but it it all happened because you know we put them in an environment where they feel comfortable and um so Generations of Wealth, it's gowvoyage.com, February 2023 in Cancun, Mexico. I'd love to see any of you there that that think that taking your business to the next level with some advanced strategies and, and then, you know, doing what I didn't do, build a network. I didn't build a network the first half of my career. And now I know what a mistake that was. So, Man, I love it. This has been a great podcast. Derek, can you... Say the name of the website again, gowvoyage.com. Am I saying that right? Correct, yes. And that's G as in uh, goat, O as in Oliver, W as in window, voyage, V-O-Y-A-G-E.com. I say that Correct. right? Correct. Yes, right. sir. And is that an annual event or is that, or do you do it multiple times a year? Because you had mentioned a minute ago that you run multiple events. Well, that's, so that's an annual event. Um, and from that same cruise that I went on for years, we started the Circle of Trust Mastermind. And initially it started with just a group of friends that we all, you know, saw each other occasionally. And we decided, hey, let's 
get together every six months, rent a really nice house somewhere different, go see the world together, but collaborate and help each other with our businesses. And um, that has blossomed into uh, three groups like that now where we go to places like uh, we're going to St. Martin in December and I think we're going to Gulf Shores, Alabama in October. And we, we just, we go really cool places, but I got two rules and the, the rules are very simple. Um, I don't allow anybody from my local network or I'm sorry, my local market. And the other rule is, you know, people have got to come and play full out and they've got to be vulnerable and they've got to be willing to help as, you know, give as much as they take help as much as they're being helped. So, um, yeah, that's been a really awesome thing that, again, I never had that in the back of my mind years ago, but it's it's a blessing that I've been given to be able to to host and, and oversee these masterminds. Man, I absolutely love it. This has been a great podcast, Eric. I'm so glad that we got a chance to connect. Like I said in the beginning, man, we run into each other several times at these events. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, you know, you had said, we hadn't really had a chance to break bread or have an adult beverage quite yet, but maybe next month we'll get that opportunity. And uh, man, you've shared, you've shared all kinds of really interesting things and, and, and a, a given a ton of value on this show. And I'm loving it, man. I, I got a fun, two of them actually created that I haven't really done much with. And after talking with you, man, I'm excited to go raise some capital for my investors and I have a whole different mindset now. I'm not asking them to loan me money. I'm giving them an opportunity to make a healthy return alongside with me with low risk because it's going to be backed by real estate and I'm going to be the one vetting most of the deals anyway. So it just seems like it's a no-brainer. You got a book coming out. Guys, you can get more information about that by emailing Derek. And that email is Derek at bestreifunding.com. Love that domain, by the way. And uh, he's also running events, guys. He's got the Circle of Trust Mastermind, and he does an annual event, gowvoyage.com. You can learn more about that one as well. So, Derek, one more thing before we wrap up. If, if, you, if you could talk, if you could sit down with yourself when you first got started, you, you today, mm -hmm. and you back in 2003, what would you tell yourself? Um, I'm going to keep it real estate related. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, um, I would tell myself, learn how to control property without necessarily owning it, using options, using leases, um, go out and learn how to, how to structure creative deals and use the bank last 110% and, and bank, bank interest rates can, you know, lure you in because they're lower. But like David, I, I joke or I, I laugh when people get, get a little upset because interest rates have gone up. And I said, well, what do I care if interest rates go up? I'm just going to go buy property subject to 30-year fixed financing at 2 to 4%. I don't care what the bank rates are. I only care if the bank rates are what they are is if I'm using bank money or I'm selling to people using bank money. But I love it. I love it, man. And I agree 100%. All right, I got one more for you. This just actually came out of left field, but I heard this the other day and I thought it was so clever. So I'm going to use it. And this might actually be something that I do every episode moving forward. What is your favorite word? Kind of a My tough one if you think about word. it. 
Um, again, I better keep it real estate related. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, integrity. I love that word. I love it, man. Well, Derek, it has been an absolute pleasure getting to sit down with you, learn a little bit more about you and your business. And you've given us a ton of value. Guys, if you want to learn more about Derek's book, go send him an email, Derek at bestreifunding.com. If you want to learn more about his events, his annual event, go check out gowvoyage.com. And Derek, again, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I look forward to connecting with you more when we yeah. get a chance to see each other. What is that, about a month out? Um, You better try about two weeks out. Oh, man, it's, it's coming up that quick, huh? I better... Yeah. I better double check my calendar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I love it. I love it. Well, Derek, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Guys, don't forget to check him out. Send him an email. Go to his website. He is a wealth of knowledge. And, you know, I can tell you just from running into this guy at events that he's a go-getter. You know, I mean, the people that I that I see over and over and over again at the events that I love to attend, they're the real deal. And Derek, I have to say, you know, without knowing you that well, I would be more than more than comfortable saying you're the real deal. You know, you're, you're, you're giving value, you're helping people, you're teaching, you're doing deals, you're raising capital, you have a fund, you're lending it out. Um, just so many awesome things that you're doing. And I can't wait for that book to come out. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on, David. You got it, Derek. Well, we're going to connect soon in about two or three weeks from now at the, at the next event. And guys, with that being said, you make your money when you buy, you get paid when you sell. Do not forget that. That is one of the most important rules of real estate investing. And one more quick pro tip for you guys, no matter what business you're in, you're in the marketing business before you're in any other business. If nobody knows what you are doing, what you are selling, what product or service you are providing, how do you expect these individuals to come be a customer? You need to market your business and you need to be screaming from the rooftops what you can do to help service other people in your space. Don't forget it. All right, guys, thanks for listening. And with that, we are going to be signing off. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth.